0: There it is, second time's a charm. All right, everybody, we are back for another beautiful day. And today we're gonna be talking monopoly relationships. I know a lot of people are asking about this subject, so I'm really excited to dive in. Y'all should be too. Tune in, here we go. Practicing polyamory, real life perspectives from the imperfect people of polyamory. The mission of the Practicing Polyamory podcast is to provide a platform for all of the real life flawed humans that practice polyamory so that we might all learn from one another and grow as a community. Enjoy the show. All right, all right, here we go. Another beautiful day, beautiful and sunny here in San Diego, had a beautiful motorcycle ride today. Anyway, nobody cares. Before we jump in and chat with today's guest, I want to quickly remind everybody that we are open for questions. If you have any questions about your relationships or if there's a topic that you'd like to hear discussed on the show, slide into my DMs. Follow us on all social medias at Practicing Poly A, especially Facebook and Instagram. That's where I'm most active. And send a message. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, Spotify, iTunes, anywhere that you download your podcasts. And if you catch us live, look up there. You can ask a question and get your questions answered live on the spot. So uh, tune in and uh, let's go ahead and have some fun. And as always, lastly, I want to remind you all, if you are listening to this podcast, you're a welcome guest to be on the show. We're here to share stories. And I want to get as many voices as possible to speak here because I know that the more stories we hear, the more representation we'll have, the more others will see us in themselves and the more we can strengthen our community. So go to practicingpolyamory.com and sign up today. All right, that's my spiel. And now ladies and gentlemen, on onto the best part of the show introducing our awesome guest today's guest is more than just a therapist she is an educator of therapists and has been sharing her knowledge about polyamory and other non-monogamous lifestyles in an effort to normalize it all within the therapist community our guest has both personal and professional experience with consensual non-monogamy especially polyamory including writing her master's thesis about therapists attitudes towards polyamory spoiler alert Their attitudes aren't that great, but that did not stop her. She pressed on to continue working with the polyam and LGBT communities, eventually expanding into coaching and then becoming a key contributor to an online platform designed to teach affirmative psychotherapy, a much needed practice among therapists today. I'm so excited to pick the brain of this incredible author, coach, educator, and affirming therapist who's joining us today out of St. Joseph, Michigan from the Affirmative Couch, and Color Your Name Coaching, plus attunement.com. You'll see that pretty soon. Welcome to the show, Stephanie Sullivan. There it is, Stephanie. Thank you so much for hanging out with me today. I really appreciate it. I really appreciate it. Well, thank
1: you so much for that amazing introduction, and I'm so excited to be here. I love the, the energy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's, you know, a little bit of what I do. I, I like to have a good time. I always say, if you ain't laughing, you ain't living. So let's laugh a little. Let's have some fun, and let's uh, dive right in. Let's just uh, start off with telling me a little bit about yourself. Uh, you know, like I read in the intro, you had your master's thesis on therapists' attitudes towards polyamory. Uh, I mean, where where did that inspiration come from? Come from? Have you been polyamorous basically your entire adult life, and you're like, I'm gonna study this and write about it?
1: Actually, no. It was it was kind of the opposite. Um, I. Didn't even hear about polyamory until I was in grad school, really, or mm. actually get an understanding of it. Um, I'd always been, you know, throughout college, I was interested in sexuality and sexuality education and being affirmative in, in that sense. Um, but in terms of like relationship styles, I didn't really know anything about it um, until someone actually, my cohort, came to me and we had to write a paper and he said, do you wanna do it on polyamory? And I said, oh, let me let me look into that. What is that? <laughs> um, and it honestly became kind of a passion project of mine No one that I like in my class really knew what it was. Um, and it was really interesting to me. And the more that I learned about it in the academic sense, the more I was interested in it in a personal sense. Mm. Um, so it, it was kind of, yeah, it was kind of an interesting introduction into polyamory for sure
0: totally the other way around. So it wasn't like you were polyamorous, and you decided to study it more. You just started studying it. And then you're like, Oh, this kind of fits for me. Yeah,
1: absolutely. Absolutely. And I was in a monogamous relationship at that at the time, Um, the relationship ended for other reasons. But Mm -hmm. um, after that relationship ended, I was like, Okay, I'm gonna dive right in. I'm gonna explore polyamory. And I'm gonna do this. And I was uh, in polyamorous relationships for a few years uh, and I really, really loved it. I'm currently monogamous again, um, but I still identify like kind of in the middle of that spectrum now as ambiance.
0: Oh, hello, (laughs) cat. Sorry,
1: (laughs) she likes to join the show sometimes.
0: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, uh, you know, just a little bit of bio on on you, just what I read, two cats, uh, what were their names? Chai and Chewy, did I get that right? Chai and Chuli, like patchouli. Chuli. <laughs> chuli. Which one was that that just topped up? Uh, Chuli. Chuli. Hi, Chuli. Oh, <laughs> too cute. I love it. Uh, those of you who are just listening to the podcast, uh, you might want to check out the YouTube because that is one cute cat. <laughs> anyway. All right. So, um, monopoly relationships. You... Wrote a whole thing on this, which is where this this idea, this topic came from. Uh, but were you ever in a monopoly relationship?
1: So, sort of. So, usually when we think of monopoly relationships, we think of a monogamous person and a polyamorous person, and the polyamorous person is actively like uh, dating other people. Mm-hmm. Um, that hasn't been the case for me. Um, But I would say that I identify as ambiamorous, like kind of in that polyamorous spectrum. Um, And my partner right now is monogamous. Um, And so, you know, there is definitely kind of a little bit of a twist to my current situation. Mm -hmm. But I've worked a lot with monopoly relationships and therapy as well.
0: But before we dive into that, uh, can Mm -hmm. you just define what ambiamory means to you?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So, um... Ambienery is kind of that middle section. I can be happy in a monogamous relationship or in a polyamorous relationship. Um, You know, when we're a lot of times in the community, I think there's a lot of binary thinking, like it's an either or this or that type of uh, thought process. Um, And, you know, I I fall into that for a long time as well. But you know, as I was polyamorous, um, I realized there are also things that I really enjoy about being monogamous. And mm-hmm. when I'm monogamous, there's still things I really enjoyed about being polyamorous. So um, it's kind of the intersection of of those two things, kind of the middle ground.
0: And just happy either way. Not going to make a difference.
1: Yeah, and it kind of depends on like my life situation. Like I am in a monogamous situation right now and I feel very polysaturated because mm-hmm. I'm I'm running two businesses. I have friends from all over the country that I'm trying to like maintain friendships with. Like mm-hmm. I barely have time for one relationship let alone more than that.
0: Makes sense, makes sense. And I mean that's totally legitimate, right? Like we anybody can be polysaturated at just one Relationship. It all depends on you know how much uh time and space and energy that that one relationship takes up. That doesn't make people any less polyamorous. You know, it's just this is the own the one relationship that I'm in right now.
1: Exactly. Okay.
0: Yeah. Cool. So in therapy, we you you have had uh, multiple monopoly couples, and how exactly does How how do people find themselves in that situation? How does how does one a couple come to you and say, hey, uh, I'm Polly, he's mono. Like, how did we not know this beforehand?
1: I think there's a a struggle in our society right now uh, and maybe historically as well, where monogamy is what is pushed on us. That's all we see in Disney movies. That's all we see in romantic comedies. It's, you know, you get a love triangle and you have to choose which person Mm -hmm. you want to be with. Um, And so I think a lot of people uh, discover polyamory later in life, Um, sometimes early in a a relationship, sometimes after they've been married for 12 years and have two children. Mm -hmm. And so then they realize, I think this might fit me, um, and they that's how they end up in my office a lot is they're kind of in this place of they had a relationship agreement and maybe their relationship was actually in a really good place until someone maybe found out about polyamory or something like that. and. Then want to kind of renegotiate their agreements in a way that their partner had never really thought about before. Um, The other way that I see people is that you know one person is monogamous, one person is polyamorous, and they just happen to meet and they fall in love, and now they have to navigate these two differing um, thought processes and Mm -hmm. relationship styles.
0: I'm gonna have you speak on on either one of those. I'll 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 give you the choice. Uh, I guess which one do you see most commonly and How do, once they come to you, once therapy is sought, how does this monopoly couple move forward?
1: Well, I think monopoly relationships are some of the more difficult uh, things to navigate. It's um, not unlike a couple who you know, one person really wants to have children and the other person doesn't really want children, um, right? Like once once you've made that decision, the decision's kind of been made. Um, so sometimes the couple does end up breaking up or um, deescalating their relationship. Mm-hmm. Uh, other times they, you know, I think it's really important to find the middle ground. How can you find enjoyment out of your relationship when the two of you are together, and how can you find satisfaction? Maybe when that poly partner is on a date, or or how if the poly person isn't actively being polyamorous, how can they find satisfaction in their friendships as well? Um, so there's a lot of different like moving parts in those relationships.
0: So those are the things that that the couple is facing, and that's that those are the things that the mono partner. Right, probably needs to do is find those hobbies, uh, find mm-hmm. friendships, find other ways of spending their time when their poly partner is uh, out on a date or whatever. Um, and one of the things that you said was that it doesn't always work out, right? I mean, is that essentially, I don't know. I mean, I, I'm thinking about it. When people come to you, is it typically... I'm guessing their goal to maintain the relationship? And is that the same as your goal as a therapist?
1: That's a good question. Um, A lot of times when people come to me, their goal is to answer that question actually. Can we make this work? Um, Can we Mm. find the middle ground? And so a lot of times my work as a therapist is trying to help them navigate that answer and find that answer for themselves. Um, because I, I think it can work. I think that it cannot work. Um, it's really dependent on the people and the relationship and how, how they want to move through life. And obviously, um, maybe not so obviously, I don't know, but a couple who's been dating for six months, um is maybe in a different situation than a couple who's been together for 15 years and has a few children together Mm -hmm. um so they might have different goals and, and align differently in that respect as well
0: and if their goal is to find a way to make it work what are some what are some steps like what what are the first things that you would tell somebody if i'm coming to you and i'm saying hey you know i'm monogamous i'm with this partner who is polyamorous i don't know how to deal with this what what's the first thing that you're going to tell me
1: my first thing is that you are not alone um i want to validate both person both people's experiences there because that is something that a lot of people in these situations are going through um and the second thing is you know I really do believe in like educating yourself in order to figure out if this is something that you could manage. So picking up a book um, like the Smart Girl's Guide to Polyamory or um, another book on Consensual Non-Monogamy and Polyamory, um, The Ethical Slut, might be a good first step just to even see if that's something that you might be able to navigate. Um, If it is, then you can kind of also, oh, also Polysecure is a wonderful book. It came out Mm -hmm. November, 2020. Um, That is a huge book too. Like developing a secure attachment, both with yourself and with your partner will be hugely impactful in monogamy in monopoly relationships for sure.
0: I'm curious on your uh, professional opinion and, and. From a viewpoint of a therapist, what was uh, your biggest takeaway from that book, from PolySecure?
1: Oh, there's so much. Um, I talk to my clients a lot about attachment and attachment styles. And prior to PolySecure, there wasn't a good resource for uh, consensually non-monogamous clients about attachment. I would just give them a book and say, okay, try to read this, but also kind of throw out some of the monogamous stuff. Um, (laughs) But I think one of the biggest takeaways was, A, not all relationships have to be attachment-based. So, you know, sometimes people are going into relationships and like expecting one thing when the other person maybe doesn't want that that one thing. So definitely navigating what do you actually want out of your relationships? Do you want them to be attachment based or do you want them to be less attachment-based? Um and then mm-hmm. in part three of that book, the hearts model that Jessica Fern puts forth, I think is absolutely gold. I think it's wonderful. Um not just the attachment with your relationship, but the attachment with yourself. Like how do you develop security and attachment with yourself um, while navigating, regardless of what relationship style you end up in, how do you navigate that for yourself so that you can have a secure attachment with yourself?
0: Yeah, I, I really love that book too. I uh, listened to it a couple of times on on audiobooks because I'm not mm-hmm. great at actually like sitting down and reading, but um, that part that you mentioned about, about basically choosing your uh, attachment style, sorry about that pup. Uh, it's an animal show today. You got the cat, I got the dog barking, you know, (laughs) it's perfect. (laughs) Oh yeah. You know, it such is life. Um, but yeah, that, that, uh, what was I saying? Oh, being able to choose your, your attachment styles. I mean, that's so important in our polyamory. I mean, how does that apply? And how does that apply in a monopoly relationship? I mean, I, I'm, spitballing here just just kind of throwing thoughts out thinking out loud if i'm monogamous i'm expecting a secure attachment with my partner Mm -hmm. but my polyam partner has a little bit more freedom to choose their uh their attachment style even to me as a monogamous person do does that make sense so far Yes but
1: I would almost question that a little bit as well because monogamous people can just casually date and Mm -hmm. and go through life as that as well. Um, Maybe they don't have that expectation of having a securely attached relationship but if you're already in a committed securely attached relationship then yes that's probably going to definitely be part of your assumptions Mm -hmm. Um, and hopefully You know, hopefully, first of all, the two of you are on the same page of if you wanna develop a secure attachment or not. Um, But I think one thing that to keep in mind for specifically monopoly relationships is, and especially ones that are just opening up um, if they've been together for a while, is the fact that coming to your monogamous partner and letting them know that you want to be polyamorous or that you have this interest in polyamory, that might very well be an attachment injury. You haven't actively cheated on your partner. You haven't betrayed them in any way, but even just hearing that Mm -hmm. from a monogamously minded person is going to be, it's going to cause a lot of insecurity in themselves too. Mm -hmm. And so um, just kind of allowing them some time and space to get on board with that idea, regardless of what the outcome of that is, but just giving them some time to process is going to be very, very important. Um, And especially, you know, for polyamorous people, it's not like they hear the word and then the very next day they go to their partner. Usually they take some weeks or months or even a year or two to kind of explore what polyamory is, what that means to them. And then if you think about all the time that it took you as a polyamorous person to think about it, then giving your monogamous partner that time and space as well is going to be really, really important.
0: For sure. That makes a lot of sense. I I think you're absolutely right that A lot of times a polyamorous person will have done, you know, weeks or months worth of work and research and not yet talked to their partner about it. And so when they drop that bomb, right, so to speak, Mm -hmm. um, because you you said it's a it's an attachment injury. It's something that that can absolutely feel like a betrayal as a monogamous minded person. It's like, what do you mean? I'm not enough for you. Like, I'm supposed to be your everything. And, you know, you're kind of shattering that. Uh, that idea. And so that person definitely needs time to process. Um, what would you say as far as tips on how to approach that topic with a partner? Uh, like, I, I asked this of, of another therapist earlier: like, uh, what's a good situation, circumstance? What's a good uh, atmosphere? What's a good setting? for me to bring this topic up to my partner? So
1: doing it very gently is going to be probably in your best interest, Uh, not doing it in the middle of a fight or an argument, doing it when the both of you are feeling comfortable, um, maybe at home or in a space where you do feel just kind of safe and where your partner feels safe as well is Mm -hmm. gonna be very important. it's a difficult conversation to have, so kind of just, you know, letting them know you have something to talk to them about or um, that you want to explore with them, but then also saying, but you need don't need to respond right now. This isn't mm-hmm. something that we need to make a decision about right now, you know, because like you said, it's dropping a bomb on your partner. They need some time to process. And by the time, what I've noticed is by the time the polyamorous person brings it up with their monogamous partner, a lot of the times, like they're ready to go, right? They, they've they done the months or the however long of mm,
0: exploring. Yeah, and they're like, all
1: yeah. right, I'm ready to open. So then they bring it up. You have to also Oof. give that space and know, okay, if I'm bringing it up, I'm probably, it's going to probably take twice as long or three times as long as what you think
0: it will. Wow. Yeah, that's, that is so, so accurate. Uh, so would you recommend, I mean, that we bring this up earlier rather than later? I mean, if if somebody is thinking about polyamory, is it better to just go to my partner and say, hey, you know, I heard this word and I heard this idea and I think it's something I might be interested in. I haven't done a lot of research on it yet, but you know, this is kind of where my mind is. Or should we actually wait until we've done that research?
1: Can I give a both and answer?
0: Yes, absolutely. (laughs) Give, Give me your thoughts.
1: Um, I really think it depends on your relationship, where your relationship is at, um, making sure that you are both feeling very secure in general um, already in your relationship. Um, And maybe not bringing it up the very first time that you hear it, but also maybe not waiting until you're like ready to open your relationship. Mm -hmm. So kind of, there's kind of an in-between maybe where you can say, okay, I'm kind of thinking about this, and I'm curious about your thoughts. Like, uh, Sometimes when I talk to clients about even just coming out to friends or family or something, and they're very nervous about it, which makes sense because we don't know how other people are going to respond a lot of the time, um, I I recommend just finding an article about polyamory and sending them a text or something like, hey, I found this interesting article. What do you think about it? And based on that result that you get back, you kind of know, are are they a safe person to come out to or not and maybe same with your partner you kind of get a gauge of how interested are they in this
0: Hmm. that makes sense it's a little bit uh safer It, it doesn't so much put them out on the defensive it's just like oh wow check this out you know what do you think
1: Yeah, it doesn't, it doesn't say, um, I want to do this right now, or make them think that that's what you're saying. It kind of just opens opens the door to a conversation, which I really like just opening that door kind of leaving it cracked and and allowing that open communication to continue around that topic.
0: Love it, love it. So on the other side of the couch, right, you got client sitting on the couch telling you all this stuff on the other side of the couch you're an educator of therapists so from the therapist's viewpoint how how does a therapist work like what is the mindset of the therapist when working with a with a monopoly couple like what do they need what do they do to explore with that couple
1: so um, I think it would really depend on, well, first of all, I think doing their own work and their own uh, like internal self-work would be really, really helpful because depending on where their biases are, they might find themselves aligning more with one client or another. So mm-hmm. if you're going to maybe a monogamous therapist, that, or if that therapist is monogamous, then you might find yourself aligning more with a monogamous partner. If you're polyamorous, you might find yourself aligning more with a polyamorous partner. And um, this is something that, you know, as therapists, we try to stay neutral, it, some therapists kind of struggle with that, um, and that might be something to kind of just do some internal work over and say, okay, so I need to make sure that everyone here is feeling safe and feeling heard and then helping them navigate those choices and putting all of those choices on the table. Um, so I think that can be um, kind of helpful because I think sometimes uh, you know the monogamous client might feel like you're aligning with the polyamorous person and the polyamorous person might feel like you're aligning more with the monogamous person. You kind of wanna um, try to bed that down as much as possible because we're just there to kind of hold that space.
0: Yeah, that's a really fine line that you need to walk. Uh, you know, like you said, you want to stay neutral. Uh, you don't want to give the impression that you're siding with one or the other. Um, I know that we have a lot of therapists that that listen. Are there any, well, actually most of the therapists that listen are poly-friendly, are affirming. Um, are there any tips, anything that you teach in your courses, because I know you teach a bunch of courses, uh, that is maybe something that stands out that you should that you would want to share with as many uh, even poly friendly therapists as possible?
1: For working with mono poly relationships? Um, gosh, that's a good question. <laughs> I think that making sure that Each person is feeling, like I said, feeling safe Um, and just making sure, you know, each relationship is different. It's really hard to generalize like Mm -hmm. monopoly relationships. I've worked with people where they're entering into a monopoly relationship after like an affair. Um, I've worked with them. when they're just opening up and they both want to be um, in the mon- monopoly relationship. And so just kind of making sure you're gathering all that background information is helpful mm-hmm. um, and making sure that you're getting that uh, secure base, like even in the therapy room and that you can kind of create that secure base in the therapy room so that each person kind of comes, can come and feel, feel supported. Um, I like to kind of, you know, I like to kind of maybe do at least one or two sessions individually with each partner to make sure that they're both um, able to kind of feel heard and really express what they're each feeling Mm -hmm. since they are on such different spectrums. Um, So I do like to make sure that I am getting some individual sessions in there as well, even if I am working with a couple.
0: Nice. And when you do those individual sessions, is there any like, um, I don't know, I guess I'm I'm thinking of something that you said just now, which was that uh, they sometimes come to you when one partner has cheated. So if you do an individual session and you find out that a partner has cheated, is that something that you share with the other partner? Is that something that you expect to come up in therapy and like be there as a mediator? How do you handle a situation like that?
1: Good question, yeah. So I have a no secrets policy in my agreement section. Um, So, and it's something I talk about with my clients as well uh, at the beginning of therapy is that I'll do individual sessions, um, but this is for the couple. So I see the couple as my client. So if something like that happens, I can't do effective therapy if I can't talk to the other person about it. So before we have our individual sessions, I'll say, you know, we're gonna do these individual sessions. Things might get back to your partner, um, but we'll talk about it beforehand. So if someone individually told me they had a, an affair that their their other partner doesn't know about, we then process it individual, individual session and say, okay, do you wanna bring this up in our next session? Do you wanna tell your partner separately? Because I can't do effective therapy if I'm holding a secret against one partner. Right. Um, but that being said, a lot of times, when they are coming to me, um, if a, if an affair has happened already, most of, I think all the time actually, the affair is already out there, the monogamous person already knows about it, and they're now trying to navigate and heal after that as well. And so that's where healing the relationship is important, usually prior to um, going out or dating or um, anything like that. So mm-hmm. healing that relationship, if you wanna stay in that relationship, and then and then opening up. Um, there's kind of like a stuck process there.
0: Yeah, that totally makes sense. And and that is I don't feel like there's another way really uh to be successful in a monopoly relationship unless you heal that relationship first. So in the case that there is any kind of infidelity, you will not say, okay, go ahead and be poly, whatever it's like, no, 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 no. bring it all back. I mean, do you have if, if the affair is ongoing, do you tell them, you know what, you need to like end that relationship before we can move forward here? Uh, cause otherwise this one's, you're going to lose this one. Does that, is that how it works?
1: Well, so, um, I found that it's not helpful to tell my clients what to do. Um, Uh I just try to help them navigate what's currently happening in their relationships. I tell them what the downfalls could be. I'm very kind of, I can be blunt with my clients, like Mm -hmm. this might be a difficult situation. Um, So, you know, but they are going to, uh, I mean, when you think about it, they're in my office for one hour a week. There's what, 162 hours in the week or whatever it is. Um, So, you know, I do find that um, just helping them know what the possible repercussions would be um, by continuing that relationship does tend to be a little bit more helpful than just telling them to like end a relationship or something like
0: that. Got it, got it. So it's not about telling them what to do. It's just kind of giving them a synopsis of what might happen, you know, down these different paths and make up your own mind.
1: Yeah. And, and hopefully um, in that situation, uh, the partner who's been cheated on can help can in the process develop more of a secure attachment to themselves.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, maybe they don't have it with that other partner cause they kind of, they kind of lost that. But now I'm just kind of spitballing here. Any like, Tips on how to start to overcome. If you're the partner that's been cheated on, mm-hmm. like, how do you start to have trust again? Because I mean, that trust is just shattered. How do you how do you start putting that together? That must be the other cat.
1: Yep, that's the other one. <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, I think of it as so. Trust is kind of like a, a china plate. Like, if you drop it on the ground, it's going to kind of shatter. It can be put back together though, um, and But the more times you break that trust, the more that that plate is gonna crumble into Mm -hmm. different kinds of shards. So uh, definitely going through into it with honesty after the first betrayal. Um, And I found when I'm working with clients in that situation, it can be helpful to actually um, have them each read a book and about like what the other person is going through. So I'll have Mm -hmm. like the person who cheated and wants to open up a relationship, uh, read like after the affair, um, and then I'll read. Have the monogamous person read, uh, you know, another another book on polyamory or something like that. And it kind of helps them get into that mindset and out of their own thought process or their own mindset about the situation. Um, and again, it's about finding that overlap. Where do the two of you agree? Rather mm-hmm. than being on separate teams, how can you get back onto the same team?
0: Yeah, it kind of starts to create that uh, that empathy. Yes. Nice. All right. I've got two last questions for you. Uh, The first one is, is there anything that I missed? Is there anything that you wish that I had asked or uh, just some final thoughts for anybody who's listening who might be uh, entering or struggling with a monopoly relationship?
1: Um. Yeah, well, I think that uh, some of you are in a situation in a monopoly relationship, or even if you're a therapist who is helping clients navigate monopoly relationships, uh, I would really recommend looking into some resources of like, what are the pros and cons to monogamy and polyamory? And what can each of those relationship styles learn from each other? Um, I think there is some learning that can be done on either side. And it's not necessarily about pitting each one about against each other, like Mm -hmm. one's right or one's wrong, but just kind of seeing like, where does the overlap happen? And like, ultimately monogamous, polyamorous, whatever, they essentially want happy, secure, fun relationships, right? Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's maybe where part of the overlap starts and then how can you build on some of that overlap? Got it, okay.
0: (laughs) Sorry, I was, I'm as distracted as you are by that cat. I'm so sorry. <laughs> it's all good. Which one is that again? This one's Chai. This one's Chai. Oh, too cute, too cute. Those of you, again, uh, just listening to the podcast, you got to watch the YouTube so we can see the the funny cat. Um, all right, the last thing that I want to ask you, uh, if somebody wants to work with you, if they want you to be their therapist or their coach or anything like that, uh, how can people get in touch with you and where can you serve them?
1: Yeah. So if you want to work with me as a coach, you can find me at coloryournamecoaching.com and fill out the contact form. Uh, if you want to see me as a therapist, you do have to be located in the state of Michigan. Um, but you can contact me through attunement, A-T-T-U-N-E hyphen tcom uh, So you can contact me there. You can also find me on Instagram at coloryournamecoaching. Or on Facebook at SM Sullivan MFT.
0: And what's the difference between therapy and coaching?
1: So, coaching is um, more of, well, therapy is, you know, I do a lot of trauma work with therapy as well. So, how, you know, building those secure attachments with yourself, um, healing trauma, working through trauma, um, things like that. I do a lot of that, so um, or mental health, anxiety, depression, things like that, and therapy. Um, With coaching, I do a lot more, um, you are setting your own goals. I mean, you're setting your own goals in therapy as well, but um, I go to it with the assumption that you're doing well in life and just need a a few little tweaks. Um, And so that might be kind of the difference uh, between coaching and, and therapy.
0: All right, very cool. Well, uh, thank you again, Stephanie, so much for spending some time going over this uh, really important topic that I know a lot of people are struggling with. Uh, Just thank you for your time. Thank you for your input. Thank you for your insight. And I hope that everybody gains some uh, some really good value from this.
1: Thank you. Thank you so much for having me on and inviting me. I really enjoyed it.
0: No problem. No problem. Would love to have you again. Uh, So thank you. And a thank you also to our live audience for tuning in. As a reminder, when we're live, you get no commercial interruptions, but the same can't be said for those podcast downloads. So if you want to avoid the commercial interruptions, be sure to catch us live Monday through Wednesday right here 2:30 30 Pacific time uh, or sign up for Patreon where you'll get access to our commercial free RSS feed and support the show. Don't forget to subscribe on YouTube, wherever it is to you download your podcast. And if you haven't already, please leave us a review. We'll really appreciate it. That's all we've got, everybody. Thank you all so much.